others may be seen. Good morning. It's great to see you. I've got some great news. I heard we ran out of parking already, so we'll have to address that next week. Yikes. Okay. Um, great to have you. I, I've been debating all week about how to do our first service here and what to preach on, and so I just decided to keep going in Hebrews, all right? And, and the reason is, is this text, this letter does what, so if you're a guest here, this letter does what we want to do at Coastal. It lifts up Jesus Christ as greater than anything else. And uh, we moved into a new location because we want to lift up Jesus Christ as greater than anything else. And we want to make sure there's room for people that want to hear that, be challenged by the Word of God. So uh, if you have your Bible, do me a favor and turn with me um, to Hebrews chapter 3. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's one hopefully in a chair in front of you, uh, except for about the back 10 rows. We ran out of Bibles last night. We got to buy some more, okay? So soft opening. Remember, this is our soft opening. We're still getting our act together. But uh, yeah, so if you don't own a Bible, take one with you, okay? We'd love for you to have a copy of the Word of God, and that would be our gift to you. Um, you know, in all of redemptive history of what God has been doing here on planet Earth to restore man's relationship that's been broken through sin, of all the people that God put on planet earth, there's probably, besides Jesus Christ, there's probably none greater than Moses. I mean, think about Moses for a minute. And all that God, all the, uh, the miracles and the divine intervention of Moses on planet earth, that God did through, through Moses on planet earth. In fact, even if you're here this morning and you're investigating the claims of Christ, you're, you're kind of new to Christianity, you're, you're new to your Bible, like you know probably some of the stories of Moses. I mean, remember he, he, at his birth, I mean, he was protected by God and he was taken into the home of Pharaoh. And then he, you know, after several years, many years in the desert, God called him back in the ministry through a burning bush, right? You probably know that story. God shows up in a burning bush and, and calls Moses into ministry and to lead the people of Israel out of captivity of, at the time, probably the most powerful nation on earth, Egypt. And then God uses multiple plagues to convince Pharaoh, whose heart was hard to the things of God, to allow the people of Israel to leave and freely worship the one true and living God, ending with the last plague of the death of the firstborn of all the house of Eden. Anybody that didn't have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, foreshadowing, of course, Jesus Christ. And then he get, leads the people out of Egypt, and they, they get backed up against the Red Sea, and the Egyptian Pharaoh the, sends the Egyptian army down on Israel, and they're backed up against the Red Sea, and they have nowhere to go. And of course, you know, God, through Moses, parts the Red Sea. The people of Israel go through on dry land. Then the Egyptians decide, hey, let's follow them through the dry land. And of course, the, the, the walls of water collapse and drown the Egyptian army. All this through, through Moses. Then he, you know, he's in the wilderness, and through Moses, God provides food daily for free, Right? And, and, and meat when they want meat. And I know I've challenged you guys to read the first five books of the Bible because it's very important to understand the letter of Hebrews. And I've been doing that. You know, and this week I stumbled across the passage where the people of Israel are grumbling against Moses' leadership. Now, if you've ever led anything, you find the next passage very compelling. 
They're grumbling against Moses' leadership. Somebody's laughing because they know the story. The ground swallows the grumblers up, right? So if you ever let anything, you're like, that would be cool to see. I don't, there's a few times I wish that would have happened, you know. And like, how'd that go down? They're gone, you know. And that's one way. So God did that through Moses, and, and the list goes on. All, like all these miraculous events around Moses. If you're going to say, man, if there's ever a person who walked planet Earth that God did great things through, and we saw the supernatural working of God, it's Moses, right? And so the author of Hebrews, this is where it's important to remember our context of this passage, Hebrews chapter 3, you can follow along in your handout. And, and the author here is saying, listen, there's the people are people that are probably converted Jews that are following Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and now they're being persecuted for their faith. And so the author's reminding them of all the things that Jesus is greater than. And this morning I'm going to challenge you. I promise the text this morning is going to challenge you. No matter where you are in your journey, your spiritual journey, it's going to challenge you. And so the author reminds here this morning, even though Moses was called a friend of God, even though Moses was given the law, there is one that has since come that is greater than Moses, and that's Jesus Christ. Check this out, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 3. The author says, but Jesus deserves far more glory than Moses. This is a person who builds a house, deserves more praise than the house itself. Kind of apropos for this morning. For every house has a builder, but the one who built everything is God. And Moses was certainly a faithful in God's house as a servant. His work was an illustration of the truths that God would reveal later. But Christ, as the Son, is in charge of God's entire house. And we're God's house if we keep our courage and we remain confident in our hope in Christ. So the first thing the author says here is, is there's one greater than Moses. That's Jesus. He's worthy of more glory. Now, I've unpacked in recently the idea of glory, right? The idea of glory is this idea of awe. We're awed by Christ. There's an honor to glory. There's a worship to glory. Christ is worthy of more glory than Moses. And the author says that the builder of the house is, deserves far more praise than the actual building. And so who's the builder of the house? Well, it's God who built the house. He's the creator. And then he put his, his son is in charge of all of that. Moses was just a servant in the building. It's, it's an illustration. So to accept, Mo, he's telling these people, if you accept Moses as a great spiritual leader, Jesus is greater than. In fact, Jesus even said this in John chapter 5. He says, if we really believed Moses... You would believe me because Moses wrote about me. By the way, um, Josh Schwarting actually preached on this over the holidays uh, last uh, January. He talked about every page of the scriptures point to Christ. He's right on about that. You're, when you read your Old Testament, you're recognizing that the Old Testament points us to the greater one yet to come, Jesus Christ. By the way, Old Testament people and New Testament people, us, we're saved the same way. Repenting of sin, Old Testament people were to look forward to God's salvation. We look backwards to God's salvation in Christ. Does that make sense? We're all saved the same way, repentance and faith. And so this house that Jesus is building, he's in charge of, by the way, is the church. And, and uh, the reason I decided to park here this morning a little bit is to remind us. Jesus is building his church. And I'm very, very um, specific 
in the language that I use. If you hang around Coastal for any length of time, the one of your challenges is going to be, I don't know what to call this building. Because Pastor Sean will correct you, right? We're not, we're not going to church. We are the church, right? You all know this. You learned this when you were kids, right? Here is the church. Here is the steeple. Open the door. That's, a, that's terrible theology, okay? Here's how it should go. It doesn't rhyme, okay? Here's the building. Here's the building. Open the door, and there's the church. It just doesn't rhyme, right? But that's really, like, how it should go. We, this is not the Lord's sanctuary, okay? What is Jesus doing? Man, he, Jesus is building his church, and the church is people, and the sanctuary is where the Holy Spirit takes up residence in our hearts and lives. Isn't that amazing? You're the church. I always love when people put, throw the church under the bus like it's some organization out there. It's not an organ. It's the people. And the reason, if you're a Christian this morning, the reason you should love the church, you know why you should love the church? Jesus loves his church. Jesus calls the church his bride. That's amazing, right? We're his bride. He loves us that much. And so we, guys, we haven't, we haven't built the church We've built a place to do ministry, and I'm excited about this place to do ministry. And I know you're excited about this place to do ministry. And I want to be I want to be clear. Like, I know you've donated your time, your talent, and your treasure to help us meet here this morning. Okay? And we're gonna steward that very well. But at the end of the day, if this building isn't filled with people that are growing to be more like Christ, it's empty. And if there's people here, then things are going to get scratched and dented and broken. And I praise God for that because that means people are running through the halls of this building. Does that make sense? We may even spill coffee in here this morning. God forbid. Who, all right, who, seriously, who was the first one to spill coffee? Somebody. <laughs> and so the how, what Jesus is doing is he's building his church and it's his people. And we get to be a part of that. And the author of Hebrews says, and he's going to see it through to completion. In Philippians, the apostle Paul says this. He says, and I'm certain that God, who began a good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Jesus is going to finish his work in his church. And so because of that, because there's someone greater than Moses, the author says, because Jesus is building his church, God has put his son in charge of building the church, we need to have soft hearts to the things of God. Okay? Now here's where this message turns a little bit. It's going to get a little heavy. All right? We have to have soft hearts to the things of God. Hebrews 3, verse 7. So the author is going to begin to use the people that Jesus, uh, that Moses led as an illustration for us. Check this out. Hebrews 3, verse 7. That is why the Holy Spirit says, Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled and they tested me in the wilderness. Their ancestors tested and tried my patience, even though they saw my miracles for how many years? Forty years, these people. By the way, if you're here this morning and you're like, you know what? If I could just see God show up and do a miracle, I'd believe. You ever thought that? There's a very real chance you wouldn't. If you're struggling with unbelief, there's a very, because the Bible tells us for 40 years, God did miracles through the ministry of Moses. And still the people's hearts were hard in unbelief. So I was angry with them, verse 10, and I said, their hearts always turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath. They will never enter my place of rest. 
Church, this is a very stern warning for us this morning. As I was prepping this this morning, man, my heart grew heavy with this warning. Like these, these warnings are throughout Scripture. And the challenge, the warning, the encouragement to you this morning, the encouragement to me is that every single day we should make our salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ, are the preeminence of our day. Does that make sense? It should be at the forefront of what we're thinking about and what we hope to do with the day. And that should be the case today. And then when you get up tomorrow morning on Monday, at the forefront of your thinking, of your worship, of who gets glory and praise out of your life needs to be Jesus Christ. That should be at the preeminence of your day on Monday. And then when you get up on Tuesday, at the preeminence of your day should be glory and honor and worship and praise to God's Son, Jesus Christ, on Tuesday. And then on Wednesday, you can kind of push it to the side. No, right? I mean, you're seeing this, right? Because that's kind of what we do. We kind of push it to the side on Wednesday and then Thursday. And every day we get up and at the preeminence of what we're doing is worship and praise to God. And we need to take this warning that there have been people in the past that have seen God work, yet their hearts grew hard to the things of God. So the people that Moses led are kind of this example. They saw this incredible, they saw God work, yet they fell into unbelief. And so the author finishes with a very strong reminder here. Check this out, okay? This is my summarization of what we're about to see next. Daily pursuit of Jesus Christ is the strongest protection against unbelief. I want, to, I want you to hear that again because I think that's what this author's saying. Daily pursuit of Jesus Christ is the strongest protection against unbelief. Hebrews 3.12 says this, Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters, Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. The author here gives us a stern warning, right? Kind of picking up where he left off. If you remember a couple weeks ago in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1, there's this idea of be careful. Take your salvation serious. Don't take it lightly. It's a very important gift that you're saved by the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we should be paying close attention. And one of the ways we pay close attention, the Bible says, is that we surround ourselves with other Christians who give us encouragement. The Bible knows nothing of a Lone Ranger Christianity. The Bible knows nothing of a, well, I'm a believer in Jesus, but, you know, I'm private about my faith. It's kind of this American way thing. It's not a Bible thing. The Bible knows about surrounding yourselves with other believers that encourage you for the days that you're struggling. Check out Hebrews 3.13. You must warn each other. How often? Okay, so if you're new here, you don't know. I like this. This is the, what I call community interaction. Here we go. Ready? Here we go. You must warn each other. How often? Every day. I mean, are there people? Are there people in your life that, that can come around you and say, hey, I've noticed, brother, that you, you're not, you don't, you've been focusing, your life's going, this person you're dating, 
way you're treating your spouse, your commitment to the church, growing, gathering corporately in worship. I mean, the list goes on. Do you have people that help you with that? There should be people in our lives that daily say, hey, uh, encourage you. There should be people in your life that when you're struggling, you can send an e- a text out and say, I just need prayers today for my daily pursuit of Christ. And by the way, at Coastal, like, we, have, we place a really high value on church membership. And I want to be clear why we do that. Like, I, I don't, maybe that for you that flags go up when you hear church membership, right? I don't know. Different churches do it for different reasons. I'll tell you the reason we do it. It's not to pad our roles for who knows what, okay? The reason we're passionate about church membership is your pastors and your elders take very seriously the people that say, you know what, I'm committing, I'm submitting my life to some spiritual people so that if my life heads down the path of sin, if I start down the path of unbelief, if I start down the path where my heart is growing hard because of sin, there are some people that love me enough to pull me aside and say, is everything okay? Are you still pursuing the things of eternal life and eternal significance? And here's what we ask our members to do. We ask our members to be a part of corporate worship. And we're going to get to that in Hebrews 10 where the book of Hebrews says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And we're going to ask you to be in a small group because in a building this size, you know, you can walk in and walk out and nobody really knows what's going on. So we want you to be in a small group so you're surrounded by with a small group of brothers and sisters in Christ that love you enough and journey with you and help carry your burdens when you're going through difficult times. And we're going to ask you to find a ministry to serve. And we're going to ask you to help support the local church through service and through giving. That's what we're going to ask you to do. And listen, here's the deal, okay? I believe that what we ask our members to do is nothing more than what the Bible asks Christians to do. Does that make sense? I don't think that's a stretch. And so, you know, we, we, that's why we're passionate about ministry because we want to make sure that you're following Jesus today. And when you get up on Monday, we want to make sure you're following Jesus that today. You know, on and on the list goes, we want you to follow Jesus today. And just as a side note, our next We Are Coastal class, which is the beginning of being a member at Coastal, is May 21st. Okay, so... You can, if, you, if that interests you and you want to investigate a little more, all you got to do is on the side of that bulletin is a tear-off. Let us know, hey, I'm interested in the We Are Coastal class. We take up our offering. You can bring it up front drop it in one of these baskets, and we'll get you, we'll get you going with that, okay? Because we think that's an important part of your journey. And by the way, just as a side note this morning, I put a question mark on this. It's the, the idea of trusting your heart. Can you trust your heart, question mark? And I, I, will, I just want to caution you this morning. Because it's, it's kind of the American way when it comes to the heart, you know. You turn on the TV, it's kind of the thing out there. I mean, I don't want to name any names, but Oprah Winfrey will tell you, trust your heart kind of thing. So, you know, did I say that? Take that back. Anyway, so trust your heart. You know, the Bible, I think, actually encourages us to be skeptical of our hearts. In fact, the passage says, make sure you, your hearts are not evil and hard. I've seen a lot of people that would call themselves Christians that would run headlong into sin all the while they're telling me they're trusting their heart. Okay? Jeremiah, the the prophet Jeremiah says this, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who can know how bad it is? I think we should, even as Christians, okay, we're kind of in this now and not yet time, right? The kingdom hasn't fully come. We haven't reached glorification yet. We're still, we're freed up by the power of the Holy Spirit to do battle with sin, but we still have a sin nature. 
I think we need to make sure that, our, that we're surrounding ourselves, one, with the being in the Word of God regularly so that our hearts are submitted to the truth of God's Word and that we're surrounded by other believers so that believers that love Jesus and love us enough can make sure, hey, we're not just following our heart down a path of destruction. I think we should be skeptical around our hearts. And so the author of Hebrews then says, here's the deal, ready? How do we, so it's daily pursuit of Jesus Christ is our best protection of unbelief, to which the author of Hebrews says, daily perseverance in the faith is the fruit of salvation. So I want to talk briefly this morning about, like, how do you know you're saved? That's a church word, saved from the penalty of your sin. How do you know you're a Christian? And I propose to you, the author of Hebrews says, one of the ways you know you're a Christian is that you're daily pursuing Jesus every single day. Hebrews 3.14 says, For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all that belongs to Christ. So there's that inheritance piece again. Remember that? I've been kind of hitting on that, that, you know, if we follow Jesus to the end, we gain in his inheritance, okay? But the Bible says, if you're faithful to the end of your life, to the end of your journey, just as firmly as when you first believed, there is a daily uh, perseverance in your following Jesus Christ and the gospel. And Jesus actually taught us this as well. You know, if I was going to show you, you know, a lot of you guys know John 8, 32, right? You're like, what's John 8, 32? Don't put it up there just yet. Now I can see you, Noah. I know what's going on. I didn't used to see behind me, but now I can see. So, right? You know, you're going to, in fact, you're going to hear this in, in, in a debate coming up. I can almost guarantee you some political speech along the way. You're going to hear this. You will know the truth, and the truth will what? It's a very common quote, but we'd rip it out of context. So I'm going to give it some context. Ready? Here's what Jesus said. Let's go one verse earlier. John 8, 31. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to what? My teachings. If you do that, you'll know the truth. The truth will set you free. the idea all throughout the scriptures that being a Christian is a daily thing. I get up each day, and today I'm worshiping and I'm pursuing Jesus Christ. So I want to be clear. This text is very clear. Just because God is working around you does not make you a believer in the gospel. Gulp. Just because God is working around you does not make you a believer in the gospel. Hebrews 3.16 says, and who was it? And again, he's using the Old Testament, the followers of Moses as the illustration. And who was it that rebelled against God even though they heard his voice? Was it the people Moses led out of Egypt? And who made God angry for 40 years? Was it the people who sinned and whose corpses lay in the wilderness? And to whom was God speaking when he took an oath and said they would never enter my rest? Wasn't it the people who disobeyed him? Here's what he's saying. These are the people that for 40 years saw this unique working of God daily, day in and day out. They got manna. They so many times saw God move in unique and special ways, yet they still didn't trust God to the end. So let me apply this for a minute, okay? Here's where we're going to get real serious for a minute. Just because you're watching God work around you, doesn't make you a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
You're here this morning and your, your wife is passionate about the things of God, passionate about Jesus Christ. That doesn't make you, husband, a believer in the gospel. And vice versa. Young people, and I was blessed teenagers. I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home. And if that's your your parents are, you know, bringing you to church, maybe you kind of don't want to be here, but they're bringing you anyway, parents, way to go. Keep that up, okay? But young people, I want to challenge you. Just because your parents are Christians, that doesn't make you a believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. God could be working all around you, but you're not a believer in the gospel. Just because your roommate is serious about the gospel, that doesn't mean you're serious about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so what is it that makes you a Christian? It's belief and unbelief. It's belief or unbelief. And the, the author paints it here in the negative, okay, in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 19. So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. Salvation is about belief or unbelief in Jesus Christ. It's not about some past event that you did yesterday. Well, I walked an aisle. I checked the card. I raised my hand. I prayed a prayer at the end when the preacher said, pray this prayer. I got baptized. I was, you know, part of some spiritual event. The question is, are you believing today? And when you wake up tomorrow, you can ask yourself, am I believing today? And when you wake up on Tuesday, you can say, am I believing today? And when you wake up on Wednesday, you can ask the question, am I believing? You got it, right? There, do it with me. Am I believing what? Today, you got it. That's the question you can ask yourself each and every day. And this is one of the great tensions of the Bible, by the way. That, you know, I always talk about how the Bible offers these extreme tensions. And one of them is God is in charge of salvation from beginning to end. It's all his grace. It's all his mercy. It's all for his glory. However, even in that, we have a response to the gospel, right? It's repentance and faith. And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 makes that clear. Even the, even the faith piece is a gift from God to us. But in that, we still have a response. It's repent and believe in the gospel. I'm going to cover this more in a couple weeks. But I ask myself this. Am I believing in the gospel today? In fact, remember the audience here. The audience is... Jewish converts who are now believing in the gospel of Jesus Christ are now being persecuted. And some of them are thinking, hey, maybe this isn't worth it. Okay, I want to go back to the old ways of what I used to believe. And the author's saying, no, there's nothing greater than Jesus Christ. Don't desert. Believe in him today. In fact, Hebrews 3.15 says this. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as Israel did when they rebelled. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as you did when Israel rebelled. Now, I'm going to finish with a testimony this morning. Right? I'm going to give you Sean Brown's journey of faith. It's a very dangerous thing to do on the first day in the new building because you all may revolt. Okay, here we go. There are times in my spiritual journey that I wonder if all this stuff is true. Anybody else do that? 
four of us. Fuck out. Talk to the four of us. All right. The rest of them got it together. All right. And I get up and I'm confused. And by the way, doubting is is not the opposite of faith. A lot of people think that, that if you have doubts, it's the opposite of faith. That's not true. Okay. The opposite of faith is disobedience. Okay. So sometimes I get up, man, and I'm going to tell you something. As a pastor, you get caught into some situations that are confusing, and they're difficult, and people are facing challenges. You know, after the last service, and people were bringing their offering up, I had a lady come up, and I don't know why she had it, but she had a list of all the things she had been through physically, a whole paper of stuff. Hey, pastor, there's all stuff I've been through. And I said, yet you still believe in God. She goes, I still believe in God. I'm like, wow, that's pretty humbling. Because when you go through hard stuff, like it can either make you hard or make you softer, right? And she chose to be soft and tender-hearted towards the things of the Lord. There's been times where I've had to do a funeral for a baby, and you, you're like, oh, I, I don't, I don't even really know what to say. And so, I want to give you the passage of scripture that gives me hope. You ready? So this is the passage I lean into, and it's taken out of John chapter 6, and it's the Apostle Peter that I love this passage. And when I have those moments where I'm like, I'm not, I mean, I'm, you know, this is confusing to me, I lean into this passage. And so in John chapter 6, I'm going to give you the context, okay? Jesus is at the peak of his popularity. Crowds are coming. I mean, this is the time that if you're, you know, you're just building a ministry and your name, you know, you want to make yourself famous. This is where you say really nice things. You don't say hard things. Jesus decides to say hard things. I think it's because he wants to thin the crowd a little bit. He wants to see who's serious about following him today. And so here's what he says. He says, if you want to know me, if you want to follow me, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That does not preach in America, okay? That's just weird. I think it's weird, and guess what? The people that heard him thought it was weird. Now, I believe what Jesus was teaching there, and Pastor Andrew did a great job last fall during the Lord's Supper explaining that passage to us about Jesus saying, you know, it's not about me being out there. It's about me being in you, spiritually speaking. But Jesus didn't back off. He wanted to see who was really in. And so the passage says people start leaving and he doesn't chase after them. He doesn't go, no, 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 don't leave me. I, I need a big ministry. You know? No, here's what he does. John chapter 6, verse 66. At this point, many disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the 12 and he asked them, are you going to leave too? And Simon Peter replied, well, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you're the Holy One sent of God. You're the Holy One of God. Now, why does that passage give me hope? I'm about to disappoint some of you, okay? Because sometimes my faith is like that. I ask the question like Peter, like, like where else am I going to go, really? I mean, let's think about this for a minute. I guess I could say that this thing called Christianity is not true, and I could just go down the route of indulging my flesh. I'm just, I'm going to spend the rest of my life making me happy, whatever that looks like. Like that's going to that's gonna be my end goal. And I suspect that some of you are here this morning and you're a worshiper of Jesus Christ because for many years that was your end goal. 
And you got up every day and you indulged yourself and you tried to make yourself happy. And the more you tried to make yourself happy, guess what? The more it didn't work. And in fact, worse than that, it left you with some permanent scars, spiritually and maybe physically, right? Well, that doesn't work. Where else am I going to go? I've done that. I'll tell you what I really did for many years. Okay, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents took me to church, right? And you probably, you know, I had some people say I had a drug problem. I was drugged to church, right? And so I was drugged every week. And, and so what I did for many years is I kind of did the Jesus is my fire insurance. I'm going to kind of have one foot in but one foot out. I did that for a long time. That's not Christianity. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. I mean, if you're if that's kind of where you are, like you're kind of playing the game of the one foot in, one foot out. Like you, honest. I'm gonna be honest. I hate to do this with so many people here this morning. You might as well go play golf this morning. I mean, there's other things that you could give your attention to. And here's what changed my perspective on this, right? I want you to think about this for a minute. The story of the gospel is that mankind is in rebellion to God's holiness, and therefore what we deserve is the wrath of God. But God in his patience and in his love, what he did is, get this, right? This is what the Bible teaches. He wrapped himself in flesh, God took on flesh, and set foot on planet Earth. That's either awesome or it's weird. It's one or the other, right? Set himself on planet Earth, and then he lived a perfect life, and then he hung on the cross. And while he was on the cross, this brutal death, the God of the universe was pouring out his hatred on sin. Jesus was bearing my sin and my wrath at that point. And then they laid him in a grave, okay? And then the grave couldn't hold him, and three days later, he came back to life. That's the message of the gospel. And as I listened to that, and that began to sink into my heart, I realized this isn't kind of a one foot in, one foot out. I'm either all in or I'm all out. It's no in between. And so I look at the apostle Peter and I go, where else am I going to go? Well, you might be sitting here and go, well, what about other religions, Pastor Sean? What about other religions? I mean, don't all roads lead to God? And the answer to that is, according to the teachings of Jesus, is no. And that's another sermon for another day. There's only one way to God the Father. John chapter 14, verse 6, is through Jesus Christ. But here's the problem I have with other religions. The other religions don't deal with the me problem. There's no other religion on planet Earth that deals with sin. I mean, if we're going to this perfect place where there'll be no more sin, you better not let me in because I'm the biggest problem of all. Yes? And so as I look at other religions, I realize there's only one other religion that deals with sin. And so I agree with the Apostle Peter. Where else am I going to go? So it's only the gospel of Jesus Christ that makes any sense to me. It answers the problem of evil. It answers the problem of sin. It tells me what happens after I die, and it gives me purpose in this life and the hope of eternal life. Where else am I going to go? And so I ask the question, am I really saved? Am I really a Christian? And my answer is yes. How do I know? You want to know how I know? Because I'm believing right now. I'm believing the gospel of Jesus Christ today. Today, I'm taking the incredible gift of my salvation and the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Very seriously, I'm doing that today. And then I'm going to get up tomorrow 
And I'm going to take the grace of God and the salvation of Christ very seriously tomorrow. Doesn't matter about yesterday. And by the way, for you, it doesn't matter about yesterday. Yesterday's past. Yesterday you could have been a neck deep in sin. Yesterday you could have been neck deep in rebellion. Yesterday you could have been lost as lost could be, not knowing how to find your way to God the Father. Today is the day of salvation. And as we read this passage and next week's passage in chapter 4, here's what you're going to see over and over and over and over again. Over and over you're going to hear today, 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 today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow is not promised, and yesterday is past. But today, I'm following and I'm believing Jesus as the Son of God and my Savior. Jesus is greater than all else. I want to tell you something. I couldn't have thought, couldn't think of a better message for you to hear our first weekend in December. Today is the day of salvation. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when I, when I take serious thoughts about the world around me, when I, when I look and I, I say, man, how did we get there? had to be the creator you're piecing the house together and I look at all the other options available to me God I conclude that it's only the gospel of Jesus Christ that makes sense and I agree with the apostle Peter where else am I going to go you alone have the words eternal life and so today God I acknowledge Jesus Christ as my Savior and I honor him and I, and I look at my heart and I make sure my heart is tender to the things of God today I repent of sin and I trust that the gospel is my only hope of having right standing before my creator Father, I want to pray for the one in this room that maybe they came in and they don't know you and they were looking for hope. I pray that today they would repent of doing things their way, repent of their sin and trust Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as Savior and Lord. That today would be the first day of a great and awesome journey. That they would know both the abundant life here on earth, they would have eternal life and no freedom from sin. Today is the day of salvation. I give you praise, and I give you glory for that. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, church, this is our offering time. So if you are a guest with us this morning, uh, I want you to know, I want you to feel any obligation to give this service as our gift to you. We are going to do our offering a little bit differently this morning. So even as a guest, if you take that tear off, fill that out. We want to send you a thank you card for coming, a little more information about Coastal Community Church. The way you can do that, come forward, drop that in these offering baskets, and then make your way back to your seat. Um, don't forget to bring your stones. If, you don't ha if you, you've been part of the Beyond campaign and you forgot your stone, just go get one out back and make that a part of the artwork that we're going to put in the prayer chapel. 
Uh, I want to be clear. Last service, I wasn't clear. Here's what I'd like for you to do. Okay, we're going to do this singing as a congregation. Bring your offerings forward. And I want you to return to your seat, okay? We're going to close out singing. Everybody else just went home. They're happy to get out of here. So uh, this service, we're going to conclude singing together. How great is our God? If you have a prayer need, if you came this morning and you're like, you know what, I, I am disconnected from God, and I'd like to know how to connect with the gospel. Carol, would you do me a favor? Would you stand up front here? I'm going to bring you. Is there any prayer team leaders here in, the, in this service? Okay. Yeah, Dan. Dan, why don't you go on this side, okay? And so these folks are here to pray with you if you have a prayer need. And if you'd like more explanation about how you can connect with God today through the gospel of Jesus, they would love to talk with you, pray with you. They're here during the, the offering time, and they're here after the service to minister to you in waiting. So with that, let's stand and sing. We're seeing how great our God is. And I'm going to encourage you to bring your offering forward and then head back to your seat. And we're going to close out with singing this morning. Pastor Joey, would you lead us?
You guys have a great afternoon. God bless you.